my babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stable. He is my work wife. He is James Hardigan. Happy World Backup Day, Joe. Apparently, this is like... I, I don't know why the 31st of March, but today is the day when they advise everyone to back up their data. I'm not sure if we're expecting something nasty to happen on April Fool's Day, but do it, people. Oh, I thought it was like back that ass up day, like back it, back no. it up into no. whoever's. All right, fine. Coming up on today's show for the second consecutive week, we're going to focus on poker. What? Um, Crazy. There's been so much buzz about Vanessa Cade's win. I feel like we're the ones taking the victory lap. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, neither of us has $1.5 million in our bank accounts. So it's back to the grind for us. This week's grind. It's the Scoop Preview Show. Yeah. By the way, I'm not sure Vanessa has $1.5 million in her bank account right now, judging by the tweets that she's been uh, typing out in the last 24 hours. I think she's having issues convincing a bank that she legitimately won $1.5 million. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you do that in this. Honestly, that's there's all kinds of weird stuff going on right now with that kind of Good luck, Vanessa. Who knew you had to run good to also <laughs> collect your winnings? Um this week, however, we're focusing on the multitude of million-dollar winners we're about to have over the next month in the scoop. All the important times and dates for all the biggest scoop tournaments and the broadcasts. That's where James and I come in. We will not be playing, but we will be broadcasting. Uh, and if you're the kind of person who plays the lowish stakes but has big scoop dreams, you're going to enjoy this week's guest fellow by the name of Bowie Effect, a.k.a. Andy Wilson, who went from Twitch streamer, sorry, Twitch watcher to Twitch streamer to Twitch stream winner after spending some time watching Lex Feldhaus a few years ago. We're going to hear Andy's entire story and see what his plans are for this year's scoop. James, are we running amok again? Yes, we are. Thanks to a Platinum Pass winner. Oh, wow. Cool. Excellent. Uh, looking forward to that. And this time on Superfan vs. Stapes, it's Owen Jones challenging me on the subject of From Dusk Till Dawn, the movie. Now, one thing I noticed, James, I think From Dusk Till Dawn is spelled incorrectly in the title of the movie. Really? I distinctly remember. So this is one of my all-time favorite movies, first of all. This was a movie, James, uh, when I was in high school, that I bought the poster for this movie before I even saw it. Wow. So and you went you went in wanting to adore it. Yes. and I, But I wouldn't hang it up because I felt like that was like stolen valor in a way. Like if I hung a movie poster in, a, in my room for a movie I hadn't seen yet, that that was like kind of being a poser. And then it turned out I watched it and I was like, this is maybe the coolest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. I was super stoked to watch it again. And I will say this. It doesn't hold up incredibly well, but it's still pretty cool. Like, you know, what? it's the it's the effects. The visual effects are like pretty bad in it. They're very mid-1990s. Uh, <laughs> yeah, by today's standards. But what's really weird is that, like, I don't remember them being bad then. It's very strange how your brain sort of just absorbs whatever the best technology is at the time. I remember seeing this at the cinema and not 
loving it, not hating it either, but I remember not being overly impressed with the leading man. I never watched a single episode of ER, so I had no idea who George Clooney was. Harvey Keitel, I knew. Tarantino, I knew. But it was like, who is this guy and why have they cast him in this movie? And he, I'm sorry, he's going nowhere. And ironically, Ah. I felt the same way after seeing the next film he made, which was The Peacemaker, which was a DreamWorks movie he did with Nicole Kidman. And then a year later, Out of Sight came along and I changed my mind overnight. That is the movie that created George Clooney, the movie star. It's really weird because Clooney, I did love him in this in from Dust Till Dawn, but like he was a joke back then. He was considered like a bad movie actor, especially after The Peacemaker. And it's really funny to see now he's like not only just a good actor, but like one of the most well-respected filmmakers, like a great I director. Mean, I, I find it ludicrous now that I once held that opinion, but hey, at least I was I able find- to move on from my initial impressions. I find it ludicrous that you once went to the Titty Twister. So we talked about this when we did the EPT retro streams last By the way, okay, year. Okay, so for, first, first of all, first of all, if if people don't know, the Titty Twister is the name of the bar in From Dusk Till Dawn, correct? Where everyone turns into vampires, correct? Oh, spoiler alert! More on that later. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we talked about this on Retro Dortmund. The casino there had this club called the Titty Twister, which was a From Dusk Till Dawn themed bar. And it was themed around the movie to the extreme um, where they did have a live snake show every night, not just a scantily clad woman who would come out with a big yellow snake like Selma Hayek does in the movie, but then a crate of snakes would come out. So then it turned into something like the Well of Souls from Raiders of the Lost Ark. As someone who's not the world's biggest snake fan, I I I wasn't about it. Wasn't a fan. That did how much did the woman resemble Salma Hayek? Was it close at all? No. Or no, no, no. And there was no vampires, I assume, like no bloodbath. Uh, alas, that kind of would have potentially made it more enticing. No, no, no vampires, no bloodbath, no killing, we no guns. Get, we gotta get back to. By the way, did you know there's two from Dust Till Dawn sequels? I almost considered watching them, but considering I, how. Not, Am I right in uh, thinking these are both like what what are now referred to as straight to video movies? N- neither of these sequels ended up in cinemas, right? Like I think one of them was direct to video, which was like you know a, a bit of a, a downgrade at the time, and then the next one was like direct to cable. Yeah, so, but but, like, but but here's the irony, right? Here we are now. In 2021, yeah, right. everything goes direct to cable. Like, you know, the big movie event of this month is Zack Snyder's Justice League, and that's gone direct to HBO Max in the US and direct to Sky Cinema in the UK. I'm a little bit disappointed that I haven't watched the, uh, Justice League, not one minute of it yet, because uh, nobody wants to watch a four-hour mo- superhero w- Don't movie. try and watch it in one sitting. Um, it is, as we discussed previously, it's in parts. You can watch it over different nights. Um, I enjoyed watching it over several nights. And my overall impression of it is, look, this is not a masterpiece. This is not one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. But it's a yeah. decent film and is so, so much better than either the Joss Whedon theatrical cut, but I also think this is a much better film than either Batman versus Superman or Man of Steel. This is definitely the best of the DC movies. That's good to know, because Batman versus Superman definitely had its moments, right? I think that was part of the yeah. reason why I got like so angry with how 
bad I thought it was was because I was like, oh, this was could have been really great. So that's good to hear. I think I am going to watch the, the whole thing this Friday night. I've got the time carved out. And my main – when I say nobody wants a four-hour super watch for – I do. Right. It's just that I had a hard time convincing the people in my house and I can't exactly we're still not exactly at a point where I where I've like free time to myself, you know, like a lot of my yeah, my TV watching is shared. The weird thing is I remember the trailers leading up to Justice League and there were so many shots in the trailers which obviously was Zack Snyder footage that they didn't make it into the actual movie. So there oh. are various moments when you're watching this long cut you're like oh there's there's the American football that. scene. There's, there's, there's the scene where he pokes his finger through the glass in slow motion. It's it's they're all in there again. So it kind of feels like rewarding in that regard. Nice. So what I have been watching and I've mentioned this a few times now and I probably won't after this is I have, I wrote in, and I wrote in the notes for the show, I finished Mr. Robot, but I, I have one episode left okay. of Mr. Robot. But here's my question. Should I watch it? Yes. Because, okay, because you said like season four is a bit of a letdown. I haven't felt that at all. No, I, I, I don't, I, I, maybe you misinterpreted what I was saying. I don't think season four is a letdown. I personally found it a little bit of a come down in terms of quality from season three, yeah. which was the high point for me. But I did yeah. also say, I think the ending to this is pretty satisfactory. I'm afraid to watch it because I, I can't imagine screwing it up. Like whatever this ends up happening, the end of this, like this, I don't know if you remember the penultimate episode is, seems i've seen um, it, i saw it quite recently so i have a very clear yeah, recollection so whatever it, no, whatever what, they end up doing i i think i'll be happy with because it's just been so good and i just want to remind people that this show needs to be talked about in the best tv shows of all time um th this is in my top 10 list for sure i got, i gotta go through it and i think we need to have things like in the post streaming era and pre-streaming era and this one is one w would go in post probably um, since this finished, what, in 2018 or something? 20, 2019 even, maybe? Oh, so it's, yeah, 2019 was the last season. Yeah, so and, and I can't recommend this show enough, guys. Uh, ha not having seen the exact last episode yet, but I'm, like, savoring it because I really don't want it to be over. It's quite the ride. Um, I started a new TV show, a comedy. I don't know if you guys have this over in the UK yet. It's called AP Bio uh, with Glenn Howerton from... Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And the reason I started is that uh, I was at a charity event, a, a poker event a couple of years ago, and I met two of the cast members uh, who have become friends of mine, uh, Nick Pine and, and uh, a fellow named Jake. Sorry, his last name has escaped me right now. Um, and they're, they're coming over for an outdoor hang on Saturday. And they've Nick has literally seen no one other than people on set um, for the last year, and he finally got his vaccine. And he I, he was like, "Stapes, I'm I want you to be the first person I hang out with post vaccine. Can 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 I come over?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And I realized I hadn't seen a single episode of the show he's been on, and he's seen every single episode of every poker show I've ever done, which is arguably way more hours. So I started watching AP Bio, and luckily I really like it. It's really fun. Um, I don't know how much like an American high school comedy will re resonates with people in other parts of the world. But if you guys are looking for a new comedy to start, it is it is very fun and pretty light. Uh, you know, it's just good escapism stuff. Uh, and if I can, just a sick brag here. I, I was so jealous of everybody else. Um, I booked a vaccine appointment. Now, how, 
how is it working in America? Because here it was done by age groups. They start at the oldest and come down. Now, in certain parts of the UK, in certain areas, people of my age group have already been receiving the vaccine. I think where I live, there was yeah. a lot of uh, uh, there was quite a large older population, so they haven't got around to the forty somethings yet. But I think it's imminent. I'm expecting in the next couple of weeks to get the invitation to receive the first dose. I. I think you will end up getting yours before I get mine, even though I booked the appointment. Um, basically, what they said is, you know, it's state by state here. Uh, you know, obviously, th- we have a fucking massive country here. So California basically said as of April 15th, any adult who wants to get one will be eligible for one. And so as soon as they made that announcement, they started allowing people to book appointments post April 15th. The fir- we're doing this podcast on March 31st. The first appointment I could get was on May 5th. Right. Um, so that's still a long way out. I wouldn't be surprised at all, James, if you end up getting yours before that. I mean, we're talking five weeks away uh, for, for mine. But just that feeling of knowing that, like, it's booked in, it's going to be happening. And it seems like it seems like, you know, not to be too critical because it's like a, a, a really Obviously, the whole last year has been a horrible position for leaders um, and, and everyone. But it seemed like their their efforts to corral by age groups has sort of it, it might have gone faster had they not done that. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of it that kind of just slowed the process down. And there were a lot of places that if you just showed up more like, look, I'm not really part of the part of anything that's going on but i heard there's extras at night uh, you know when people when the, the day is over i knew a lot of people who got them that way and the folks who were administering them were like yes you're at, like totally here it's not a big deal like we're we've got dozens left over at the end of every day and they're only good for a day or something apparently so um but just that that feeling but it's a little weird too i don't know how you're feeling james but like the feeling of like you know we've we've gotten used to this over the last year yeah, um, I- I'm a little nervous about re-entering society as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know exactly. I know exactly what you're saying. Well, you do realize that for the next few weeks, we're not going anywhere because we're going to be stuck <laughs> right. inside yes. the yes. Poker Stars Bef- arena. Before we get to that, yes, we got to get to the scoop preview. Before we get to that, I got a really amazing message. We did mention we're still kind of doing the, the a shared victory lap with Vanessa Cade. Uh, and if you remember... You know, Vanessa got all the attention, obviously, as the winner and someone we know and someone that's like really easy to give a lot of attention to. Um, there was a fellow by the name of Transylvanian who went really deep in this thing. Yes, uh, this third was third place, fourth, third or fourth place. And the thing I remember about Transylvanian, apart from the fact that they were from Romania, is that this was a player who didn't normally play at these stakes. Looked like they were kind of taking their shot and would have had a six figure payday, a significant six figure payday. Yeah, and so th- like the the day after we recorded the last podcast, I ended up getting this message on Facebook. Hi, Joe. Transylvanian here. I replayed today the stream on YouTube and wanted to thank you for the beautiful words on my behalf and the great reactions you had when I was hitting rivers. Unfortunately, I could not make your and my dream come true by giving a true sense to the year of Romania. <laughs> it is... It still is indeed a once in a many lifetimes feeling with my wife next to me for the last hands of the session and a lot of friends cheering for me all around my hometown and also my country. Please send all my love and appreciation to all the Poker Stars team. Maybe we will see us one day face to face. Until then, 
I still want to remain untagged, which is why I'm not revealing Transylvanian's name. And then uh, he closed things out with some very fine heart emojis. And it just, it, it warmed my heart to hear from this fella. And, you know, whenever I get a message from someone where it's like, oh, hey, I was listening to this stream, my, my instantly, like, my heart, like, kind of skips a beat for a second because I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> what did I say about this person? Did I, was I, I, and I think, you know, because it's part of the job to be critical sometimes. It's part of the job to, and also to goof. And like those first few seconds are always like, what did I say? And to, yeah. to know this person enjoyed the coverage and had a once in a lifetime experience. Really, um, you know, we do get paid to do our job, but this stuff here really helps also. Really, really makes it fun and worthwhile. So I'm really glad he uh, reached out to us, and I hope everybody enjoyed that broadcast. Yeah, and hopefully they'll enjoy the broadcast that we're going to be bringing you during the month of April. Because we are about to launch into live Cards Up coverage of the Spring Championship of Online Poker. Scoop 2021 starts on Easter Sunday, and that means our streams start on Monday, the 5th of April. And before we get into the broadcast, Joe, let's talk about Scoop, the series itself. Uh, this is the 13th year of Scoop. It started in 2009, and the headline here beyond the $100 million series guarantee, is if you take into account all of the scoops from the dawn of time, we are going to pay out the one billionth dollar in scoop prize money, probably in the first 24 hours of this year's series. That is so crazy. A billion dollars in scoop winners. I mean, how much of that has gone specifically to Sean Dean? <laughs> Probably not an insignificant percentage. Um, it'll be interesting to know how many of the 102 events on the schedule Sean is planning to play. And of course, Scoop was the series that started the tiered buy-in format that now every other series has copied. So there's a low, medium, and high buy-in for all 102 events. So you don't need the human calculator to tell you that that's 306 individual scoop tournaments between the 4th and 28th of April. And it's a pretty jam-packed schedule. I mean, it would have to be to squeeze in 306 tournaments over the course of just four weeks. I mean, this is why people, they hole up for scoop. They, they, they you know, they, they barricade the door they black out all the windows. They just hunker down for scoop. It's insane. It's, uh, you know, also, I'm surprised to hear you say that it's been around since 2009 because it feels new. It still feels like the newer uh, I guess series. because it doesn't go back as far as WCOOP. But yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's long established now. And it does come with legacy and prestige. And I think what I like about this, and I know that this is something you can say about most of the series now because of the tiered buy-in approach, but the reality is that it covers all bases. When it comes to our streams, we're going to be showcasing on the high buy-in events, and most of those are going to be high roller events, 5Ks, 10Ks. There is a $25,000 buy-in super high roller event, which is the biggest single buy-in of the all series. Right. So it has that aspiration, and it has that spectator sport value to it. But then 
the lowest buy-in, the smallest entry, is just $2.20. Now, whether you win that 25k super high roller or whether you win that $2.20 event, you're a scoop champion either way. I like that. So that's the kind of thing that Spraggy will be will be relying on, the fact that it counts the same. Nobody has to know. Nobody's got to know what the buy-in was. We just have to know we're a scoop champion. I- I'm all for it. I'm, look, I, I've gotten by my entire life by people not reading the fine print when I say things about myself. So you're a scoop champion no matter what. Yes, absolutely. Um, and look, we'll hopefully speak to many of those champions as we witness many winning moments over the course of the next three and a half weeks. Again, when we talk about our live streams, our primary focus is going to be on the No Limit Hold'em tournaments. I think there are two days where we're covering PLO, including the $10,000 buy-in high-entry version of the PLO main event. Joey Ingram will be joining us for those broadcasts. Of course, all other formats are covered. There's 8-game, there's Stud, there's 5-card draw, there's Raz, there's Triple Draw, there's Badoogie. Um, And what we'll try and do is showcase a few of the final tables of those non-No Limit Hold'em variants on Fridays. So just as during WCOOP last year, they built in a rest day for players. So on Fridays, none of the Thursday events conclude. They take a day off and, and resume on the Saturday, and nothing starts on the Friday. It's a day when Scoop effectively shuts down and just has like side events. But that does mean there's the opportunity, and Maria Ho has very kindly agreed to do this, to host some final table replays and look at some non-Hold'em variants uh, for people who like that kind of thing or maybe want to discover it for the first time. So we're broadcasting Monday through Thursday. Then Maria Ho is coming in on Fridays. Correct, for the first two Fridays of the series. So we've got two replay streams. That will be on the 9th and 16th. But you're right, Joe. Monday to Thursday and Saturdays are our live streams. We're not broadcasting on Fridays. That's the rest day. And Sundays, we're not doing Sundays because it's streamer Sunday, right? And everyone's going to be up there playing all the big Sunday events. And those are tournaments that we can't show until they get to their late stages. So we can't pick up the action in those big Sunday events until we get to Monday. Awesome. So we got Monday through Thursday, Joe and James and and the rest of the broadcast gang you've got used to. Then on Friday, we got Maria Ho. Saturday, we're back. And then Sunday, you got to tune in and watch the streamers. I mean, that's going to be a great month, whether you play poker or whether you like watching poker. Uh, <laughs> there's something for everyone that's about to happen during the month of April. Yeah. And as I highlighted when we did the Sunday Million stream this week, we're kicking things off with a 10K high roller. There's another 10K a few days later. There's a bevy of 5Ks as well. We're going to showcase a couple of the Sunday Million special editions. I think there's a $530 buy-in, which is a medium scoop event. There's a $55 buy-in, which is a low scoop event. So that's something a bit different. Um, I'm looking forward to the 25K super high roller, which we've already mentioned. I'm looking forward to the 10K no limit hold the main event, which will conclude proceedings, because that will be something we can follow from the mid to late stages. Most of our streams are just going to be final tables, nine playing down to a winner. But with the main event, we'll have multi-day coverage. We might even be able to showcase the bubble like we did during WCOOP. It depends where it's at and how many players remain at that point in time. Being a 10K, I think we'll be able to show it. Um, 
Just to highlight a few other things to do with Scoop, there is the player of the series leaderboard, always a hotly contested title. Uh, there is $1.6 million in giveaways taking part. Uh, there's the ticket machine. There are fast track satellites. There are spin and goes awarding Scoop tickets. Uh, $100,000 in cash prizes for the four leaderboards, low, medium, high, and overall. And that's something we'll keep tabs on on the live streams because in addition to the commentary team joe in addition to maria sam grafton griffin benger nick walsh we'll also have howard swains from the poker stars blog making important contributions every day staying across those leaderboards and also importantly keeping us informed of wins that we haven't seen if we're only able to showcase a handful of the 306 tournaments that are taking place during Scoop, Howard will be able to put everything in context and provide more of a series overview. Yeah, I mean, look, he. I mean, we're going to be covering a relative few number of these tournaments considering there are over 300 of them taking place. So we're going to need somebody to fill in those blanks for us if we're just hitting the big stuff. It's entirely possible that we have somebody crushing the small and medium stuff, and we want to make sure we give those people their due as well. Yeah. Um, the guarantees on the main events, by the way, and I'm specifically referring to the No Limit Hold'em main events, the 10K, the high, is 5 million guaranteed. The 1K, the medium, that's 5 million guaranteed. And the $109 buy-in version, equivalent of the Sunday Million, the low buy-in main event, is 3 million guaranteed. And again, it's tough to do multiple things at once and to try and cover multiple final tables, but we'll do our best to keep tabs on all three and at least bring you the winning moments from those three main events uh, when we stream our final day of coverage, which is going to be on Wednesday, the 28th of April. I don't want to oversell it, and I don't want to um, lead our crew down the primrose path, but if anybody can do it, we can. We're, our team is phenomenal. I'm so proud of us. Sorry, guys, if I can toot our horn for a little bit, but the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes uh, with James and the rest of the gang who are like already, already busting their asses to get this done, I'm pretty excited uh, and and already proud of the coverage we're about to do next month. Yeah, so looking forward to hanging out with the team every single night. And the broadcast time should be etched into your brain by now. It's the same time that we bring you the Sunday Million every week. It's 1.30 Eastern, 6.30 UK time, 7.30 Central European time every single day that we're live. And again, just to recap, the live streams are Monday to Thursday and Saturdays. For the first two Fridays of the series, Maria Ho will be hosting final table replays of some non-No Limit Hold'em events. And if you're tuning in to our streams, by the way, which you should, there is a strong chance that you will see this week's guest at the final table. Please welcome to the podcast, Andy Bowie Effect Wilson. Hello, Andy. Hello. It's, uh, I mean, I've never been on a poker podcast before, so I'm kind of a bit... not. I don't really know what to expect, but I'm, 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 uh, I'm looking forward how, how is that possible? There's like about 500 of them every yeah. single week. I, I know there's there's a real saturation of the space, but I don't know, I've never really gotten around to going on one. I've just... but. Yeah, this is like one of the ones I've always wanted to come on, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. Well, brilliant. That Joe? explains why you are so flexible about me being like, hey, I screwed up the day and time again. Is that okay? And you're like, this is <laughs> just so just nice. Back to, Thank you. Moving back about three weeks, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, then. Yeah, yeah well, that's well, exactly what happened. We kind of felt that it felt appropriate to have you on ahead of Scoop because you are 
a proficient online player. We've seen you on some of our streams during other series before. And now you've given us that backstory. Joe, we've secured an exclusive. We've got the first podcast interview ever with Andy Wilson. I mean, it's it's good to do it before he wins a scoop, I guess, right? Because then afterward, he'll be a nightmare to try to get. Yeah, you've got to get in there just before uh, everyone else does, right? Got a exactly. preempt, yeah, like, preemptive strike almost, right? So to speak. You know, like trying to get Vanessa Cade after she won $1.5 million was way harder than right. before <laughs> she won one. That was That was amateur hour, yeah. I mean, like that should have been seen on high in hindsight, really. But So stupid. Uh, Andy, let's start at the beginning. Now, I know you've talked about this. I, I'm glad that you haven't done it on the podcast because I can't ask any stupid questions now, right? can't be like, well, I've answered this a bunch of times before. So let's start at the beginning and the uh, the inception of this screen name, Bowie Effect. Uh, yeah, it goes back about five years, five and a half years. I started playing poker when I was at university. I'm not, I'm not really like a guy that watched how the parents play when I was like 12 or what have you. Like I, I pretty much picked up the game. I used to watch games on Twitch. I used to play esports and like I used to compete in like Counter-Strike and in racing games. And then one time, I think it was MBK, the Counter-Strike player, hosted Jason Somerville. Around this right. must have been end of 2015, early 2016 time when I was like a fresher at university. So, uh, yeah, I just kind of started watching the game and I was hooked. I was like, this this game looks great. Like, I really enjoy the dif- the details of this and figures of it that would appeal to me. So, kind of just has grown from there. But and, that doesn't um, explain where the name comes uh, from. Is it David so, or is it the knife? It's it's David. So right. <laughs> I, I, I used to just have a T-shirt in my wardrobe, uh, just a David Bowie T-shirt. And basically the first time I won a student poker tournament at the local poker society when I first started playing, uh, yeah, I had a David Bowie T-shirt on. So that's literally where the, where the name came from. Uh, just I from see. I never well, what I, what I read is that your mom named it. Yeah, because I because I, I, I won a decent amount of money and then I just told my mom about it and she was like, oh, it must have been the, the T-shirt. It was the Bowie effect. I was like, oh, that's, I nice. like that. I'm impressed that your mom even knows who David Bowie is. Like, there's no shot that if I wore a David Bowie shirt of any variety in the house, she would know who David... No, No. she just wouldn't. No, come on. There are certain music artists that transcend generations. I mean, even my mother knows who David Bowie is. She doesn't like him, but she knows who he is. (laughs) So, Andy, uh, so... does this mean that your parents and or your mom are, are supportive? Are are those kinds of folks that uh, you didn't take a lot of convincing as to uh, what the value was in playing poker? Yeah, I, I used to like compete in video games and travel around a bit doing that like when I was in my teenage years. So I've already, there was already a bit of a precedent of doing something that was a bit niche, maybe, so to speak. But then, yeah, I, I was initially just taking a year off from university before going back for second year uh that was five years ago and i'm still here playing full time so <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of just been like the results have spoken that i've managed to you know make some money sure. doing this and um and, and that's kind of what's kind of won over over so to speak did the convincing of them you know that games had value and that there was a viable career in this did that happen earlier on with the video game stuff like how did that conversation go uh when you were even younger i think I think back then, like Twitch was still in its infancy. Like it's only been around for ten years, right? As like an offshoot of Justin TV or, or whatever it was, in, yeah. You know, initially, um, esports has been, a, you know, like kind of hand in hand. Like kind of this computer gaming era has been very much growing up with as, as millennials. I think have hit that twenties and hit that thirties, and you know, like the first generation of real avid video game players is 
and then obviously then their offspring is really just kind of, they've completely grown up with this kind of this culture so i think i think it's gone hand in hand really that like maybe when i first started playing when i was like 13 it was very much just like a a weird hobby that was a bit strange to be alien to everyone but nowadays like if someone told you they're a professional like a video game player i don't think it would be I don't think the stigma is nearly that uh, as it might have been a decade ago. So I think, you know, it goes a little bit hand in hand with that. I think the online poker space too. How much of your ability, how much of your skill at the game do you think came from watching streamers, from watching other people play? Uh, I think a lot of my initial success at the lower stakes was definitely in large part down to just learning like basic ideas and strategy on how to play, you know, certain hands in certain ways for sure. And, and where I could find, you know, things that other people might not be doing from watching, you know, someone who had success at like the 22s or have you. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of, I thought a lot of my very early success came down to like watching how to like initially implement some basic strategy from, from a Twitch streamer. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's fair to say. And it, it seems like, you know, it, it, the, the job of professional poker player at this point, it, you know, it used to be, you just played poker and now it's that you play poker and you broadcast and you create content at the same time, um, if you had the choice, I guess what I want to know is, what do you consider yourself? Are you a streamer? Are you a professional poker player? Are you both? If you had to divide it up into percentages, sort of where where does your passion lie? And which which parts of it? I, I I very rarely stream to be honest. Like I, I think I was like dabbling with the idea of it like a year or two ago. Like nowadays, I do it like maybe like once a week. Maybe okay. like once or twice a fortnight or something. So I'm very much a poker player that occasionally fires his stream if it's a bit of a quieter day for the grind and interacts with some of the uh, some of the but, people in in the space. But we often see you. Apologies for using the word lurking in the chat. So clearly you're still on the platform a lot, watching other streams. Yes, yeah, I, I, I very much enjoyed like the Twitch platform as a whole. Like not only not even with, it's not even limited to poker. I enjoyed track Trackmania, the racing game, like Counter Strike streams, even a bit of StarCraft. I used to play when I was younger, so I even go back and watch that sometimes with a bit of nostalgia. So I still very much enjoy like the competitive video game space, and then obviously as a byproduct of that, I'll still wander into the Twitch streams as well of, uh, of various poker players and platforms. But to pick up on what Joe was saying about being a poker player is so much more than just playing the game because if it's not making content, it's the studying. And that's something I think that I've really been introduced to yeah. from working with people like Sam Grafton over the last 12 months. It's that balance almost almost in some, with some people, 60-40 of playing versus actually pouring over hand histories and discussing them with other players. Yeah, I, I, I would say like I think the, the, there's not very many like younger players I think from their mid twenties, but most of them that I, that I interact with are very much like are very much in the mindset of we need to be like doing a lot of stuff, running a lot of stuff by the computers, by the solvers. Like we do, we do a lot of study. Um, the group that I that I interact with, and uh, yeah, like you said, like the, the kind of the playing time kind of goes down. Like obviously during scoop, there's going to be so many like tournaments that we're going to have to like cut down on the studying and really focus on the volume, but. Overall, like especially during these like quieter weekdays and things like this, like study kind of comes to the forefront. Um, really trying to learn where we went wrong in our last Sunday grind and like the big one case spot we might have played. Like, if, what what could we have done better? What what should we know as like a, as a pattern of play? Things like that is very it's very important in the, in the modern so, game. I think. Yeah, it it obviously is incredibly important. I, when you have everyone in the world who's successful at something, pretty much, right? Like 90% of people are like, no, this is what needs to happen now to be a, a good player. And there's there's a key few that hold out that are just naturally good poker players and say, ah, the hell of the studying. Yep. To me, there's a difference between going over hands, studying hands, talking about hands, and then 
printing out charts or like looking at charts and sort of studying what might potentially happen in the future. Um, that seems very tedious to me. That seems like not even what just requires like a ton of uh, effort and hard work. And I guess what I want to know is how much of that future studying do you do also? Uh, yeah, we have, I, well, I, um, just speaking personally, I have like an external server, like I rent an external server. That's not my PC that I have. Like I'll set stuff up to run future simulations to go and have a look at down the line, you know? So it's like, so I'll have something that'll take like, it'll take like a day or two to run like a, a very complex preflop tree. I'll go back and look at it and be like, what can I actually do better? You know, in this situation, like what, what, what hand should I play from this position? Why should I be doing it? It's very much looking for a pattern though. Like it's, you, you don't, you can't obviously remember the charts by, by memory. There's just infinite different situations in a tournament. Like you can't, you know, you can only very much implement like a very static parameter, but you, there's obviously things you can take away. That's obviously going to be able to like, you'll be able to replicate in game. Like I should be look, using this blocker here, or I should be free bet. Like how wide can I actually free bet call on the final table? There's so many different aspects of this game that like the robots have kind of shown us that are beyond what what we what we might have thought. Like even a few years ago, I think. It's and sick. is what the robot shows you that far away from what your gut or what uh, your in some sort spots? Of yes, in some spots, yes. Like, especially with ICM and, like, the ideas around, like, what can we actually call off against all-ins? Like, if you, like, free bet, it's, it gets crazy. Like, there are some very, very interesting scenarios if you, like, really go down the rabbit hole. Wow. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking to someone who basically just is still from the school of thought that, well, I decided to play Jack-9 preflop because I had a good feeling about it. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's a different it's a different game almost that's played at that level. Yeah. But I guess the reality is if everyone else is doing it, to stay competitive you have to do the it's, same. It's it's mandatory, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'm interested to know when 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 the schedule for something like Scoop comes out. I mean, do you already have a plan of what you expect to play? You kind of know already what you're going to be doing, or is it a case of going through and and highlighting the key events on the key days, or is it kind of like I'm going to be playing every day, and this is how much money I'm going to need? I, I, what you said the latter is actually more, more so how I approach it. I'm not very much a guy that has like a massive chart of like the tournament. So like the, like the key events, I very much am a guy that's like, I'm going to, inv I, I try and invest this amount of money and I try and make more money than I, that I invested. Right. That's kind of how I, that's like my, like very, if I was going to break down my approach on a very baseline level, but there are clearly flagship events that everyone should really look forward to. Like for example, like the big Thursday frill 2k freeze outs. Yeah. Like, these, these are very high value tournaments that you can't really skip. Um, so there are clearly like very key like days and events that you should be looking forward to a little bit. Like there's always going to be that little bit inside you. It's like uh, that would be the one tournament or one of the handful of tournaments I'd really want to do well in. But there's still so many great 109s, 215s that you should you should definitely be playing. Like they're just really good, and they're really yeah. good for uh, for anyone and all kinds of types of, of players. So, so really, uh, and you're, you're looking across the buy-in tiers as well, right? There's going to be. Oh yeah, I, I'm. I, I'm not very much. I'm very much not just like a one K plus player. I go anything yeah. from a fifty-five to a to a five K, uh, which can present its problems at times. But it's kind of how I try and maximize personally, and it's. A, I think it's enjoyable too. Like it's how you can play a lot of tournaments and and really get the max uh, bang for your buck. Yeah. Uh, this is probably a question that may uh, be a stupid question for someone like you, but I think people in our audience may be curious about this when you're playing uh, six tournaments uh, from $55 buy-in to let's say maybe a 5k and they're all on your screen at once. 
do you give them all the same amount of attention? Um, I, no, definitely. I think I definitely will be guilty of autopiloting a bit more on the in the lower end, but um, I still tr- I, I I try and have like very foundational ideas of how I approach any kind of situation, like very almost robotically. And then like I I will there will be spots, especially in like a two k or a five k. I will definitely make more like kind of note, mental notes on the other players at the table and what I think their tendencies are, and, and I'll use that to maybe make some adjustments. But overall, I try and stick to one overall game plan for any kind of buy-in. But but I will assign more uh, attention to like noting who else is on the table at the two K versus like on a fifty five. Yeah, for sure. That's I think. And we talked about uh, you know we mentioned a range of buy-ins there. There is a twenty five K in this year's scoop. If not this year, is this something you see in your future at some point? It depends. I, I'm not really like super keen to get up into like playing twenty five Ks. I've played a few ten Ks and I've like you know. I've not really had any success at that buying level yet, but it's only been a very tiny sample so far, and it's exclusively online, pretty much outside of the PSBC. Um, so it's something down the line where, like, you, you there's a, there is a part of you that's always like hyper competitive, right, and wants to like put in all this work and really try and get to like the top echelons. But overall, if I don't think I'm going to be successful in that 25k, and I think it's too much of a of, of, of a constraint to me personally, then then I won't bother. But I will play like a good satellite for it potentially. So that's, that's always like a feasible route to, uh, to try and get yourself into something like that. Uh, a question I know that Joe is always fond of asking, Andy, is what is the end goal here? As you said, you've taken this hiatus from studying. You haven't gone back. Do you think one day you will see that through to its conclusion? It's, I mean, is, is, is poker something that you you can see lasting for many years or is there a longer term plan? It. I, that what you what you just touched on at the very end, the longer term plan. That's that's what I lack really. I don't really know. <laughs> like, if you ask me what am I going to be doing in fifteen years, I couldn't tell you. Like, I honestly have no idea. Uh, that's kind of why I'm still floating around in the space. Like, it's been successful for me so far. I still get a drive from from doing some study, albeit sometimes I'll have ups and downs. Like I think anyone does emotionally, right? Like in a game like this, where you're wagering yeah. money, you can win, you can lose. But but ultimately, yeah, I don't. I just like I was doing a history degree. Like because again, it, which is like a very broad subject where you can like go down to like you do like a conversion course to law or, or what have you. But yeah, I I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I didn't know where this was leading me, and then this kind of gave, provided an escape, so to speak. So yeah, if the, no, not sure. If there were another game out there, now you mentioned that you've played StarCraft, and I think you threw uh, Counter Strike in there, racing. Uh, if there were another esport that provided the same look, poker has been around for whatever you know, arguably hundreds of years, um, and the sort of way you play it, other than strategy, hasn't changed. Right? It's still yep. with chips and cards. And if there were another game that provided the same level of ability to make a living at it as poker, do you think you would have chosen something else uh, other than poker? If you could make, you know, if, if if it was as prevalent to be a StarCraft pro other than a poker pro, would we see you as a professional StarCraft player now instead of poker? Uh, I think it's very much harder to really hit a level whereby you can make a living in esports because there's the like the lack of variance, honestly. Like you know, if you to be like a top end StarCraft player, I like you would need like to, I think to 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 like 
kind of juxtaposed like talking about like you would need such a base of players for starcraft in order to enable for like a fourth tier division like you know to take like the football english pyramid right there are four levels of, of like arguably even like some of the fifth tier players still get paid to play like it just be like the amount of support you need in terms of like you know like fan base and and revenue to actually generate like to have that much interest that like the the players that play for for bolton wonders my hometown team in the fourth in the fourth tier like to enable them to play professionally like you need a lot of support behind the game so in poker like that that you know like the, the fact that everyone provides money and there's winners and there's losers is what enables that to happen but yeah. in starcraft it, in an esport it's, it's very much more cut it's like in the same in chess right it's like it's very much like cutthroat like you need to just be like the tip top players really like the experts. yeah yeah. I mentioned, Andy, that we've seen you play on our streams. We've also welcomed your contributions in the chat on our streams. And I think it was a couple of weeks back, maybe close to three or four weeks now, uh, that your analysis was very pertinent of Spraggy's big fold when he laid down those aces. And ironically, <laughs> he made another big incorrect fold a couple of weeks later. Um, but with that hand, I think you put it perfectly that, you know, if you call in that spot and you're wrong, that hurts a lot less than seeing you were bluffed off the best hand. That really affects you psychologically. I thought that was that was kind of the spot-on analysis of the situation. Yeah, it's just one of those situations. I think you start to, like, the, I think I see a lot of players, like, that are really starting to, like, get into the game and take it a bit more seriously, start to play a leveling game with themselves in those spots where they're like, is this guy really bluffing? Does he really ever have bluffs here? But then ultimately, I think sometimes it's better not to overthink it so much and just be like, I just have a hand that's insanely good here and, like, you know, like I could have just bet the same with my hand that was like good. So when I play check call, I should probably not be looking to fall very often. I could maybe beat the worst value hand you could have, like, and you're just getting a price to call. I think you could just dumb it down like that sometimes, I think, and it saves you like because I've I've been down that path before where you just start playing a leveling game with yourself and then you just you start beating yourself up like crazy and, and it can just get it can just not be good for you mentally to do that, I think. Yeah. It's so funny that Andy starts explaining something in a in an absolute way that I understand in a rationale I probably would have taken in that spot, and then he concludes by going, "Yeah, like dumbing it down like that." <laughs> like I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Well, mm -hmm, I agree. Oh, we dumbed it down. Okay. On the subject of dumbing things down, I'm sure it was explained to you, and if it wasn't tough, Andy, that by coming on this podcast, you are forced to endure. And that is the operative word, endure one of Joe Stapleton's stupid games. Okay. Uh, uh, as a history major, maybe you've learned a couple of things. Actually, no, there's mostly science questions in here. All right, here's how the game, this week's game, Andy. Uh, your screen name, as we determined, was coined by your mom after you won a poker tournament with a David Bowie shirt on. That's the Bowie effect. Yep. Uh, I want to see just how well you may know other effects, other uh, real life effects in a little game I like to call effectual healing. And it is a multiple choice quiz about other real life phenomenon that are sometimes known as like the blank effect. Okay. <laughs> um, question number one. I love the fact that the explanation inevitably takes longer than the actual game. Uh, only by a little. <laughs> Really easy one to start off here. Most people, uh, uh, here we go. I don't want to set you up for failure. Question number one. <laughs> Chaos theory is often explained using this effect. Is it the butterfly effect, the calendar effect, the bullwhip effect, or the carbonaro effect? Uh... 
I, I, this is definitely not an area that I'm going to be very, very strong at. Um, I've not heard of D, and it sounds like quite a niche area. So I, I guess I'll go D, but I, no, I can't. The Carbonaro Effect is a, a prank magic show on True oh, okay. TV in America. Uh, we are looking for the butterfly effect there. It is the butterfly um, the butterfly effect. Sometimes I'll start off with the easy ones and then I'll hit you with the hard ones, which is probably bad news for you in this case. <laughs> uh, question number two, which effect is often used to describe false memories shared by multiple people? Is it the Shazam effect, the Berenstain Bears effect, the Mandela effect, or the Memento effect? That is, that is Memento, right? Unless I'm, unless I'm mistaken. It's either D or B, I guess. But I, I would go, I would go D. Okay, so, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna help Andy out here. I, I'm struggling question, big time here. Question D. The answer D is always something completely like the most ridiculous thing I could think of. Oh, I thought, but Shazam's a music hub, though, right? So I thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I no. think Shazam I, is ridiculous. Place, yeah. I think Berenstain Bears is ridiculous. We've established that D is ridiculous. Therefore, First Mandela effect. That makes sense. We're on the Mandela effect. Okay, there we we'll, go. We'll okay. get that. We'll usually gives a practice question. All right. Question number three. This effect explains the increase or decrease in frequency of sound or light waves. I'm so sorry. Or a as a source or observer move toward or away from each other. So like in layman's terms, <laughs> it's why when an ambulance drives by, it's like why it's like you know that noise, right? Yeah. Okay. Is that called the ambulance lake effect? effect? I wish that were one of the choices. Lake effect, decibel effect, Doppler effect, or zero effect. Uh, it's Doppler. I do know that one. Doppler that, effect. There we, we go. We got that. We got that with one. <laughs> Eventually. I thought Dopplers were those creatures in the Witcher games which could impersonate other creatures. Well, Andy has never made a made a living at The Witcher, and if he could, he wouldn't be playing poker. Okay. Yep. Question number four. Which song by Rex and Effect contains the lyrics all i want to do is a zoom a zoom zoom and a poom poom is it pump faker rump shaker trunk shaver or pandemic raver now now you've thrown me a few um red herrings with the old with the old d answer and i i i'm not i'm gonna rule that one out this time um, Excellent, good choice. I've, I've gone for B a couple of times. I I, I don't know, but I'm gonna. I'm feeling B this time. I, th I think today. I think that today could be, could be a B, but maybe not. Maybe not. Rump shaker is correct. You're now two and two. Right. Well done. <laughs> by the way, another lyric from that same song: "Slide off my clothes from New York down by your Virginia, tickling you around Delaware before I enter." Anyway, I just thought that was funny. Okay. Question Appreciate it. number five. The name of the effect by which music listened to over headphones often gives people the ability to gain more control over their environment. What? Apparently listening to music on your headphones like puts you in a state like a like a poker player. Puts you in a state 
to be have a better control over your environment? Hmm. Is it the Walkman effect, the Beethoven effect, the inner ear effect, or the Reggie effect? <laughs> <laughs> oh, every Reggie reference makes me smile. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go for C. Like, I could see a big A. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me, but I'll go for C. Did you say A is correct? Walkman effect is correct. Uh, well is done. Actually, when I was um when I was making up the fake answers, I wrote I, instead of Beethoven effect, I wrote Mozart effect, and then I look it up, and there is a Mozart effect, and that's the effect by which people claim that your IQ points raise by a certain number while you're listening to Mozart. Two questions left. Also known as Muriel, this is an illusion in which it appears large sections of the ocean are glowing and can be even seen by satellites in space. Is it the luminary kelp effect, the ocean firefly effect, the Milky Seas effect, or the Milky Chance effect? Well, Milky Chance is an artist, right? So we can, <laughs> I guess we rule him out. Get rid of Mil Milky <laughs> Chance is out. Um, uh, I, I feel like... The, the, I feel like there might be there might be something in, in C, the fact that you put D as, as Milky Chance. Like, yeah, we'll go for C, why not? We'll Milky we'll give... C's effect is correct. Yeah, I, I, I think I we're at we're at roll. three and three now. Three and three, I believe, uh, which means Andy Wilson has the chance to walk away from this game a winner for zero prize dollars. <laughs> Question number seven. Here it is. I tried to include some that would be applicable to poker players, and this one is most certainly one of them. I got high hopes that you're going to walk out, walk away a winner here, Andy. Question number seven. This is an effect in which people with low ability at a task overestimate their ability to complete it. Is this known as the Einstein effect, the Faraday effect, the Dunning-Kruger effect, or the Helmuth effect? Well, there, there, there are a few very plausible answers there that I won't, that I won't specify, but uh, we'll, we'll go for C again. See, the Dunning-Kruger effect is correct. <laughs> Andy Wilson rises Somehow. from the ashes, chip in a chair style, starts off. It was, oh, a, rough, it was a rough start, yeah, but we, we got the we got the. <laughs> we did get there in the end. Andy Wilson, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you being on the show, and we will be watching for you in Scoop. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate you having me on. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank, thank, you, thank you very much. Here we go again, Joseph. This is where we say, ask me one question, A-M-O-Q. You send in a question via Twitter, hashtag P-I-T-E, and we answer it. We're running a mock. And this week's question comes from Patrick James, who is a little salty after we talked about the ending of The Sopranos on a recent podcast, and apparently we ruined it for him. Do you remember I used to have a... Sorry, first of all. I do feel a little bit bad about it. Part of me, like, I've got the devil and angel on my show, right? Part of me is like, oh, I feel bad. Like, I wouldn't have done that on purpose. But sec I was like, it ended... Like, the show literally ended, what, 15 years ago? It went off the air or, or pretty... 11 years ago, something like that. So I used to have a 
uh, a no tolerance policy for spoilers on my Facebook or my Twitter. Like if I saw a spoiler, I would just unfollow you. No questions asked. I have lo- loosened that slightly. And now I think that I think a year is enough time for most people to have seen something at this point. Although you shouldn't be spoiling things intentionally. Agreed. So Patrick asks, what is the spoiler that you most resented hearing? Okay, before we, we before we run a mock, I would like to run my own a mock and just say, how are we supposed to answer this without spoiling it for someone else? <laughs> um, I guess we can't. So someone else is going to be pissed off this week. Um, I'm sure they'll let us know on Twitter. <laughs> anyway, Joseph, what is the spoiler you most resented hearing? The spoiler I most resented hearing, the one I um, unfollowed someone for immediately on Twitter, was a Red Wedding Game of Thrones <gasps> spoiler. Oh, that's um, bad. And it just, you know, it's... The thing about spoilers is that oftentimes it seems like people want to end up spoiling stuff just because they want to be cool that they saw the thing an hour before everybody else did and that's what pisses me off the most and that's like what really i was you know like most of us was like really into game of thrones like really attached to it and that red wedding spoiler even though spoilers don't really matter that much right like i was gonna see the thing an hour later anyway that's the one that pissed me off the most that really upset me and it made me uh, it changed my entire my entire policy of like watching Game of Thrones and and how to avoid spoilers after that. Mine also relates to a TV show. It was The Wire and like many people, I did not see The Wire when it initially came out. It was a few years later. And at the point that I'd started watching it, I think the fourth season was just airing on US TV on HBO and was airing on, I think it was on FX in the UK. and. So I'm in the middle of season one and I'm really enjoying it and about to discover seasons two and three. And there's a a newspaper article previewing season four. And it says, you know, after the shocking death of Stringer Bell at the end of season three, I'm like, fuck you. Uh, I was going to say, I don't even remember the wire having anything that could be spoiled. But yeah, now that you say that, that would be a pretty annoying thing if you assume that he is the, the... the villain quote-unquote throughout and then you realize there's a whole season without him yeah pretty annoying i can see that yeah so what do we say to patrick james joe thank you for your question well that was running amok let's bring on this week's super fan pleased to welcome this week's super fan to the podcast say hello to owen jones hello owen hello thanks for having me on Oh, and what the heck kind of accent is that? <laughs> oh, I'm from Wales. I'm from South oh, Wales. Oh, my goodness. Cardiff originally. I've had, some, I've had some good times in Wales. Oh, good. Me too. <laughs> Not as good as you, though, probably. <laughs> I don't know about that. I didn't speak the language, so I didn't have that going for me. Oh, no, I can. I don't do it very <laughs> often now, though, but I can, yeah. <laughs> I believe you. I believe that you can speak Welsh, having heard this accent. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so, multilingual skills aside, Owen, what can you tell us about yourself? Well, I'm actually on holiday at the minute. Nice. Uh, we're we're um, in Bluestone on a family um, holiday, staying in this lodge. Um, the kids are out at the minute. Normally, I'm a driving instructor, but I haven't worked since before Christmas because of uh, COVID. Of course. So, um, I just sort of stay at home and then go on holiday. 
In fact, I was here on my last holiday more recently than I did my last driving lesson, actually. Wow. Because we came here Christmas time, just before yeah. Christmas. Then we went into lockdown. We booked this trip. I haven't worked since. And we're back again. Because <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I find it quite hard to keep track of the rules in different parts of the United Kingdom because I know there are certain differences between England, Wales, Scotland. Uh, yeah. What is the situation in Wales right now? Um, well, it, the, the, the laws just got the rules just got um, sort of slackened a little bit. Uh, this is the first week we're allowed to travel outside our area. Right. That's how we were allowed to come on holiday here because um, it's somewhere else in Wales. But I, I couldn't go on holiday to Cornwall or something like that. And when we come here, you've got to be on holiday with people from the same house. And um, obviously, they've got all of the rules in place, like the social distancing, yeah, the sanitizing everywhere. Um, but yeah, we're still pretty much in lockdown. I'm not allowed to work again until April the 12th, unless the cases go back up. Yes. Well, that's- but at the moment, we look good for April the 12th. That's very similar on, on this side of the border. This is what we were talking about last week, Joe. Very, very different on the two sides of the Atlantic right now. Yeah, for sure. I, I You know, obviously, I, I I like people being safe. So hopefully that's that's the right date for things yeah, to be Yeah, that's happening. the important thing. Definitely some things but, happen a little sooner than they should have over here. Oh, and tell me about this, this lodge that you like so much that you go there multiple. Like, what is it about this particular area that... Um, that keeps bringing your family back? Um, no, I think since we've had kids, I think this is either the fifth or sixth time we've been here. Um, it's just like um, they have like themed weeks and stuff. Like when we came Christmas time, it was obviously they had um, the father's Christmas tours. You had like elves come into your house and things like that, all Christmas events. Like this this week, it's a myths and legends week. So um, <laughs> we're going around looking up, look, trying to find Merlin and seeing who's... Uh, who's he's cast a spell on and things like that. And then at the end of it, if you um, complete the task, you, they've got prizes for the kids and the kids love it. They've got like a splash park um, all sorts of stuff like that. The main thing that we enjoy here is like the pool and the aqua stuff. Right. But that's not actually open at the moment because of, of COVID. Of course. But uh, they've still got plenty of stuff on here and it, it's good fun. And it's, it's all that's outdoorsy adorable. stuff. So the kids get plenty <laughs> of uh, exercise. Well, moving on to non-family activities, principally watching yeah. the movie from dusk till dawn and also playing <laughs> poker. Do you find time to play poker at all? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I, don't, I, I literally, I only am able to do the kind of spin and goes because I never know when the time <laughs> right? going to be on hand. Yeah. It's you never know when challenge. Merlin's going to show up at your house. Exactly. You got to make sure, you know, that if you have to pull a sword from a stone in a couple of minutes, you got to get, you got to get exactly. the spinning go done. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love the multi-table tournaments, but like my daughter, my oldest is my daughter. She's four. And I don't think I've played a multi-table tournament since, um, since she was born. So I'm, yeah. I'm always playing like the spinner goes and the spinner go flashes. I like where you start with 15 blinds. I yeah. Play yeah, them. yeah. Oh, well, when I'm not on holiday, I play them almost every day. Well, the thing um, is that they are guaranteed to be done inside of five minutes. That is if you exactly. literally have and that's like... that's the attraction, yeah. Yeah, yeah, hardly any yeah, time at it. all. They're perfect. Well, here's yeah. the thing. 
In Superfan versus Stapes, we give you the opportunity to win a $109 Sunday Million ticket. So I'm hoping that should you win this quiz and... Yeah, I got a pass. <laughs> yeah, excellent. I was going to say, because, you know, we're looking at nine hours of play into the early yeah. hours of Monday morning, and then it resumes on the Monday evening. So this is something where you do have to commit some time. Um, James, yeah. James, yes. I'm going to say this right now. I don't think Owen's going to win a Sunday million ticket. I, and I, li- oh. I like Owen a lot. Oh. He seems like a cool dude. I want him to win. But like, I know this movie inside and out. And I did have a chance to watch it again. As you know, it's I, it's going to be tough. Owen, did you have a chance to rewatch the movie? If you're if you're on holiday with a four-year-old, you may not have got a shot to watch it again. I was up at six o'clock this morning watching Oh, that. God. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, I think I wanted to at least make it competitive. You know, give people something to listen to. But I know I do like it. I've watched it quite a few times. The first time I watched it, um, I didn't actually know it was there were vampires in it. So I was kind of going along thinking it's these bank robbers, that this is all about them trying to get away and they're gonna get caught on the board. And then all of a sudden you're in the 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 bar and it's like, what the hell is going I'm on? I'm so <laughs> glad you said that because I sat there yeah. going, like, I wonder this must have been such a different experience for anyone who didn't know what to expect. I wonder if yeah. like if, if if marketing ruined it and it turns out plenty of people did well, see it that way. I, yeah. I, I think that you might be a rare case though, Owen, because I agree with you. I imagine that the experience of watching this film is so different if it takes that kind of mm. hard turn to the left midway through. To echo your point, Joe, the marketing did ruin it for me. The commercials, the yeah. trailers, the reviews at the time very much gave away what this movie was about. And I kind of wish that they'd been a little more subtle because the surprise is so much of the movie for mm. me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, well, I was going to say, Patrick has watched the movie in the last seven days. Patrick found it a little cheesy, but he enjoyed it. Uh, and he has compiled a 10-question quiz. And, you know, some of these questions are going to be super easy. Some of these questions are going to be like, what color watch was the third extra at the bar wearing, right? So there is going to be a certain amount of lucky dip about this. And, Owen, as you're the guest here, as you're the super fan, you get to go first. So please give me a number between 1 and 10. I'll go for 1. Start at the beginning. Who is the first person to kill someone in this movie? Richie Gecko. It is Richie Gecko for two points. And you are on the board with a maximum score. Joe? I'm going to go with question two. Let's. Do, I'm just going to take this down in order. Okay. What race is Jacob's son, Scott? Chinese. He is Chinese for two points. We have a tight game. I can tell this is going to be a high-scoring one. I can tell this is going to be <laughs> close. Uh, do you want to keep going chronologically, Owen, or do yeah, you want to dance around the board? Okay, you want to go with question three. Yeah, Where please. does Seth and Richard hide when the border control comes aboard the minivan? They're in the bathroom on the RV. They are indeed in the shower for two points. And Joe, four? Yep. You've drawn an easy one. What is the name uh, of the actor who plays... Santa, Santa, I, I can't say her name. Um, Santanico Pandemonium. Santanico Pandemonium. There yeah. we go, that one. <laughs> uh, that, that would be Salma Hayek. That is Salma Hayek for two points. Which, by the way, that's such an iconic role. Like, such a... She's in the movie for, like, five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Really it's quick. It's really bizarre. Had such a memorable part. 
And the weird thing is, if you ask people to name someone who is in From Dust Till Dawn, I guarantee you that will be the first name they go for. Over Clooney, yeah. Tarantino, Keitel. It's crazy. That mm. she is the kind of face of this movie. Yeah. Um, would you like question five, Owen? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Which band member was constantly seen using a human body as their instrument? Oh, goodness. This I mean, the look, thing, I, right? I, I, you, they're you not go, looking for a name, I don't think. Not um, a name, no. Which, 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 which band member, as in, like, what instrument are they what playing? What instrument were they yeah. playing? Yes. Um... I'm going to take the options, please. Is it the saxophonist, the drummer, the guitarist, or the lead singer? The guitarist. It is the guitarist for one point. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Damn. <laughs> uh, Joe, are we still going in numerical order? Yeah, 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 sure. Okay. Question number six. Which character grinds their teeth? Richie. The two points. Joe has a one-point lead. Uh-oh. Richie, put your bid in. Put your bit. I tell my girlfriend every night to put her bit in, and it's from that movie. And we watched it yesterday, and she was like, "Is that?" And I was like, "Yes, that's exactly what it's from." <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Seven, eight, nine, or ten. I'm going to give you the option now, Owen. If you do want to deviate, or whether you want to keep going with the, it's the next one. Seven. It is. Always coming seven. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you can't avoid seven. Why no. did Pastor Jacob lose his faith? Because uh, his wife died. Indeed, and that is worth two points. You you have seven points after answering question seven. Joe, eight, nine, or ten? I'll, I'll take the snowman's nom-nom. <laughs> wow, you're running so good <laughs> today. What prop does Santonico Pandemonium have on stage? A snake, oh. a, a boa constrictor. Correct, for two points, and you still have the one-point <laughs> advantage. So here's the deal, Owen. You are going to need... Well... If you get the two points here, you need Joe to I get one point or a miss on, the, on his last question. So choose wisely, nine or ten. I'll keep going the same, nine. Okay, who ends up killing Jacob? Ooh, I got it. I've got to go for the... It's his um, son. It is his Scott. son, yeah. Scott. Yeah. So... It's nine points, and Joe, you have eight. So if you can get this question without taking the options, you win, as you okay. predicted you would before this quiz started. What is it that saves Kate and Seth when they're running low on ammunition? Sunlight. Sunlight comes in ah! through the bullet holes, and that's it. Game <laughs> over. Oh, he crushed. Wow. It was close. Should, have been so braver. Close. should we should we do the tiebreaker just because if he had if he had come up with guitars, we would have had to do it anyway. Yeah. I was okay. wondering, would they say bassist or bass guitar or something? I thought, I don't know. I should have gone for it, shouldn't I? <laughs> if you had gone for it, it would have gone to the tiebreaker. And I'm going to yeah. give you the option here, Owen. How old was George Clooney when this movie was released? Now, what I normally ask Joe to do is give a number, and then you take the over or the under. So, Joe, if I ask you to tell me how old Clooney was when this movie I'll came out, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with what answer I would have said and yes. let Owen go first. I know the answer in my head, what I would have said. What would you have said? Say it. I, I would have said 38. So Joe would have said 38. Would you have taken the over or the under on 38, Owen? I thought he was about 35, so I'd have to go under. You were closer. He was actually 34. But hey, 
we don't deal with hypotheticals and what ifs on this show. The reality no. is it didn't go to the tiebreaker. I'm sorry we can't give you the Sunday Million ticket, but we can make sure you get some PokerStars swag, Owen. We're going to give you some merch. So thank you for coming on the show today. No, thank you for having me. Really uh, happy to, uh, to be on it. Long time listener. <laughs> Good stuff, Owen. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. And also, hey, looking forward to uh, good luck getting back to work in a couple of weeks. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, guys. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up on next week's show, a new show next week. We will be taking a break for Scoop. Duh, it was the Scoop preview show. Yeah, the clues in the title, right? Yeah, it was. So we got a whole bunch of scoop coming up. No podcast during that time, even though uh, we would have quite a bit of poker to talk about. We're talking about it every single day except for Fridays and Sundays. So you're just going to have to tune into those broadcasts. I am not exactly sure what the future has in store for this podcast. Not saying we won't be back. We will be. Um, But I am working on a really huge guest that bridges the gap between probably the two most talked about things on this show, which is somehow poker and the other being the MCU, that the Marvel would be very cinematic, exciting. Universe. I do know what's coming up. Uh, Funnily enough, when we return in early May, we will have our Scoop 2021 recap. Uh, But more important than that, we have got our book club episode. Remember, we're going to be reviewing John Curry's We Run Bad and speaking to the author. So please make sure you read that book between now and the 12th of May. Plus, Evil Roy put it on our radar. There is another Poker Movie Monday on the horizon. We're going back to the 1960s to watch a movie called Five Card Stud. Details on that one coming soon. Um, yeah, I think, we'll, I think we'll have some fun stuff through May and June. A lot of fun stuff. And also, if you guys have access to it, the Criterion channel, I, I forgot to talk about this. So I've mentioned my club quarantine a whole bunch yeah. of times. And I did mention that some of the people who play with us work for the Criterion Channel. One of them actually programs the Criterion Channel. Her name is Penny. And Penny has been inspired by our weekly home game club to put a bunch of gambling-related movies on Criterion Channel, one of them being five-card draw. So if you guys want to tune in to Criterion Channel and watch some of the stuff, I assume that if we get a little hungry for content over the summer, we may dip back in to that gambling movie Criterion Channel well. So I would assume that not only Five Card Draw will be discussed, but maybe some of the other ones that we haven't heard of. Because I'd never even heard of that no, movie No, Five before. Card Stud, by the uh, way, is the name of the movie. And Sorry, Five and Card Stud. I would say that, sadly, the Criterion Channel does not exist outside of North America, but you can normally find these movies in other ways. And many of those films on that list are available on disc. Uh, there's a film in there which we've discussed before called Bob Le Flambeur, uh, which was remade, and I forget what the name of the remake is with Nick Nolte, um, but it's about uh, a gambler who... The Good, the good thief? thief. That's the one. The original is set in Deville. It has the casino from Deville. It was made during the 1950s, and the venue looks exactly the same in the 1950s as it looks the last time we were there, which was about five years ago. Uh, So that's definitely worth visiting. There are some good movies on that list, Joe. There are movies that we should be inspired by and potentially discuss in future weeks. 
Yeah, so those are all potential super fan subjects, guys, which we need your super fan applications for when we get back after Scoop. Guest suggestions as well. Um, you know, James and I are going to be seeing a lot of poker players uh, in action over the next month or so. And if somebody uh, on, pops up on your radar that maybe we forget about by the end of the series with someone that you want us to speak to, let us know. Get all those applications in, those suggestions. Use that hashtag P. P-I-T-E. P-I-T-E. Pite will get you on our radars. That is all the time we have got for this week's show. Do not forget, tune in for Scoop. But until after the spring championship of online poker, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.